Centuries before a revolutionary patriot named Patrick Henry rang forth about freedom, an apostle named Paul wrote these words to the Galatian churches. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery Paul had in mind was a distorted gospel preached to the Galatians by the Judaizers who embraced Paul's gospel teaching as long as it required circumcision and strict adherence to the Mosaic law, which it did not. Warren Wiersbe writes, Galatians is a dangerous book. It exposes the most popular substitute for spiritual living that we have in our churches today, legalism. Are you experiencing freedom from religion? I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Hello and welcome to this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for stopping by. With these words in Galatians 5:21, the Apostle Paul made his position clear. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But when some began to poison the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul responded swiftly by writing the book of Galatians. Ron takes us there next as he moves ahead in his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Stay with us or stop by our new digital streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Download or subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. With today's Something Good radio message, Galatians, freedom from religion. Here's Dr. Ron Jones. Patrick Henry's words uh, rang forth from St. John's Church in Richmond, Virginia on March 23rd, 1775, just up the road from us, not far from here. His words rang forth as he closed his speech to the Second Virginia Convention. According to Edmund Randolph, who was the seventh governor of Virginia, the attendees sat in silence for several minutes after hearing Henry conclude with these words. If you're a historian, they may sound familiar. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, finish it with me, give me liberty or give me death. Well, those famous words could be written across the pages of Paul's uh, New Testament letter to the Galatians. The situation the apostle addressed was as concerning, if not more, than the campaign for freedom faced by Patrick Henry and his uh, fellow patriots who stood on the precipice of the American Revolution. Uh, The fact that Paul skips over his usual thanksgivings and prayers as he writes this letter to the Galatians points to the grave matter facing the churches in Galatia. This was probably the first letter that Paul wrote. And depending upon uh, your historical references 2,000 years ago, uh, these churches in Galatia, a rural region, uh, these were agricultural people. Uh, Paul planted these churches first. And centuries before, a revolutionary patriot named Patrick rang forth 
about freedom, an apostle named Paul wrote these words to the Galatian churches. I'm again in chapter 5 and verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, the yoke of slavery that Paul had in mind was a distorted gospel preached to the Galatians by a group of loyal Jews known as the Judaizers. And they embraced Paul's gospel teaching, but with this little asterisk. As long as the gospel also included circumcision, you got to live like a Jew, and strict adherence to the Mosaic law. And Paul would have none of it. When he heard that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that he preached, which was by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, plus nothing, he fires off this letter to the Galatian churches and corrects the Judaizers and uh, challenges and encourages the Galatians to embrace their freedom in Christ. In his book on Galatians titled Be Free, Warren Wiersbe writes, Galatians is a dangerous book. It exposes the most popular substitute for spiritual living that we have in our churches today, and Wiersbe identifies that as legalism. Millions of believers think they are spiritual because of what they don't do or because of the leader they follow, or because of the group they belong to. He goes on to say, the Lord shows us in Galatians how wrong we are and how right we can be if only we would let the Holy Spirit take over. He says, when the Holy Spirit takes over, there will be liberty, not bondage, cooperation, not competition, glory to God and not praise to men. You see, friends, the church is the custodian of the gracious and free gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And every follower of Jesus Christ bears responsibility for protecting it, for understanding what is the pure gospel. And and by comparison, what every distortion of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ might look like. The question is, are you ready to defend the orthodoxy of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ as vigorously as Paul did? Because the challenges in Paul's day are, are in our day as well. He begins in chapters 1 and 2 by establishing that there is no other gospel than the one he preached. And in doing so, he has to defend his own leadership and his own apostleship because those who were preaching another gospel to the Galatians, um, well, they had to tear Paul down to, to elevate themselves. And so Paul begins Galatians by challenging those who object to his leadership. He establishes his apostleship as quote, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. By chapter 1 and verse 6, a lot earlier than he gets to in his previous letters, Paul is already addressing the four-alarm ecclesiological fire by saying, beginning in verse 6, I am astonished. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now, what does Paul mean by a different gospel? Well, he goes on very quickly in verse 7 to say, not that there is another one. There, There aren't two gospels or three gospels out there. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, 
Let him be accursed. Those are strong words from the Apostle Paul. But the purity and the freedom that comes from the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that comes by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone plus nothing was at stake here. And Paul understood that. He feels so strongly about the attack on the gospel that he repeats himself in verse 9 and he says, Let him be accursed who preaches another gospel. Now every generation must fight for the pure gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There were threats to the gospel that confronted the good news of Christianity when Christianity was still in the cradle in these early churches in the Galatian region there. But 2,000 years later, sacred hazards still abound in many forms. I wish I had time to uh, dive deeply in this, but let me just name four of them that are challenges to the gospel even today. Number one, Roman Catholicism. Roman Catholicism says, uh, sure, by faith and through grace in the Lord Jesus Christ, plus all these things to be a good Roman Catholic. They're called the, uh, 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 the, the, uh, uh, the, sacred, uh, the seven sacred things, the sacraments in the Catholic Church. Now, before you get all puffy and thinking that you're better as a Protestant, the second threat to the purity of the gospel is Protestant legalism. If Roman Catholicism adds to salvation something to do in order to be right with God, Protestant legalism adds to sanctification in order to maintain your right status with God. I grew up in a church that would say things kind of jokingly like this, a good Christian doesn't uh, drink, smoke, chew, or run with girls who do. And then it would say to the girls uh, in so many ways, if you're going to be a real spiritual person, you need to wear denim up to here and down to your ankles. And to the guys, make sure your hair is trimmed up over your ears. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. In some of our Protestant churches, and thankfully not here, these are the list of spoken and unspoken rules you must follow, and others like it. So there's Roman Catholicism that adds to salvation. There's Protestant legalism that adds to sanctification. And then I'll just add two other, other gospels. And I'm going to probably get in trouble on these two. But one is Mormonism. Mormonism likes to present itself as Orthodox Christianity. But when the Mormons say that Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer and he's a created being, they have departed from the faith. Make no mistake about it. And the other is prosperity theology or the prosperity gospel. Uh, stay away from that one as well. Again, I wish I had time to fully expose all of them. But what I call Galatianism is alive and well in Christianity today. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Galatians, Freedom from Religion. New to the program? If so, we want you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website. That's somethinggoodradio.org, somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage and check out the 828 Club. That's a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share these internet and radio broadcasts the whole year through. 
Join the 828 Club from our website or give us a call at 757-276-1099. Again, 757-276-1099. After his conversion, the Apostle Paul did not immediately launch into ministry. There was a long season of preparation during which he learned the gospel from none other than the risen Christ himself. With the second half of today's Something Good radio message, Galatians, Freedom from Religion, here's Dr. Ron Jones. Now Paul continues and gets very personal by talking about his own calling and his apostleship. He wanted them to know that the gospel he preached was not man's gospel and that he received it, he says, through a revelation of Jesus Christ. He wanted to solidify the point that divine revelation and not human reason was the source of his preaching. In other words, Paul's saying, I didn't come up with this gospel out of thin air. I didn't get together over here with a couple of guys and we kind of crafted this and fashioned this. No, this came by divine revelation, not by human reason. And Paul shares about his former life in Judaism and how he persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I want you to think about that. You know, Paul had a whole lot to lose because he was a rising rabbi and advancing quickly in Judaism when God revealed his son, Jesus Christ, to the apostle, well, to Saul at that time on the road to Damascus. And after that experience recorded in uh, Acts chapter 9, Paul was never the same. Think about all that he gave up. I mean, he was, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees the skyrocketing star in Judaism of his day. And when he chose to follow Christ and to preach Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead, he threw it all away. In fact, he says in his letter to the Philippians, it was like you know, dumping it on the, uh, the dung heap. All of my resume, all of my training for the sake of Christ and all the sufferings of Paul Nobody does that unless they really met the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. They don't go through the sufferings Paul went through. Afterward, Paul says, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. After three years, Paul traveled to Jerusalem and uh, the Bible says he consulted briefly with, with Peter, uh, known as Cephas in, in uh, Galatians, and then to James, the Lord's brother. But not long enough, the implication is, not long enough for either of them to influence Paul's gospel. What he is saying is, I didn't spend time with any human being to get the gospel that I got. It came to me by divine revelation. Fourteen years later, he says... And by the way, I always love to point out to young preachers, my son being one of them, that there, there's always a long season of preparation before God launches you. Three years in Arabia, Paul was there just being taught by the Holy Spirit. Fourteen years later, he comes to Jerusalem with Barnabas and Titus to share another revelation the Lord gave to him about the gospel going to the Gentiles. He writes, when James and Cephas, that is Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and you to the circumcised. Okay? Paul was way ahead 
of the church even in Jerusalem because he had received a, a revelation from God that the gospel was not just for the Jews. It was also to the Gentiles for the entire world. But Peter and some of the other pillars of the church, they hadn't gotten there yet. In fact, Paul adds one more personal story to establish his apostolic authority. He reminds his naysayers that, that he rebuked Peter, called Peter a hypocrite. Why? Chapter 2 and verse 14, he says, If you, Peter, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? I mean, that's what the Judaizers were doing. They were saying, listen, you, you can follow Paul as long as you act like a good Jew. You've got to be circumcised, and you have to strictly follow the Mosaic law. And Peter was acting like a hypocrite. He was a Jew acting like a Gentile, but telling the, telling the Jews or the Gentiles to live like Jews. And Paul calls him out. And he told this story again to establish his apostolic authority. He was farther down the road on where God was going than even Peter at that time. Of course, in Acts chapter 10, Peter shed his religious pride and his prejudice. You remember the time he met the Gentile believer Cornelius at uh, Caesarea? And that's where Peter learned that uh, faith in Christ alone meant freedom from the law, uh, something that Paul had already been preaching. And then in chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, Paul states his thesis emphatically. If you get nothing else in the book, get this. He says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. And just in case you don't get it, he says, because... Here it is, by works of the law, no one will be justified. He couldn't have been more clear and more in their face about how they had departed from the simplicity and the purity of the gospel. In other words, doing better, trying harder, or acting more religious, putting on some religious facade by your clothing, your haircut, or whatever it might be, your list of do's and don'ts, that doesn't save you from the penalty of sin, he says. It does not add to your salvation or your sanctification. It doesn't make you more like Jesus. Furthermore, Paul explains, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. And then before he shifts into chapters three and four to make his now doctrinal argument, he ends on this high note. In Galatians chapter two and verse 20, if you're looking for a verse of scripture to commit to memory, this is the one to commit to memory. Say it with me. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live by faith plus works in the Son of God. No, he doesn't say that. He wasn't saved by faith plus works. He doesn't live by faith plus works. Whether it's your salvation, how you're made right with God, or your sanctification, how you become more like Jesus, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, plus nothing. Not by trying harder, 
not by doing better, not by pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. You'll, you'll never become saved or sanctified that way. Clear enough? Whew. Paul, came out, Paul came out of the chute with guns ablazing here, didn't he? Now he's going to get doctrinal on us. He's going to go deeper into theology and go into the Old Testament because these were Judaizers. They were loyal Jews. They, they had come out of Old Testament and out of Judaism. And in chapters 3 and 4, he makes a theological argument for why the Galatians are free from the law as a means of justification, starting with the idea that those who begin in faith must continue in faith. He calls the Galatians foolish. He says, you've been bewitched. And then he asks three rhetorical questions. He says, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The answer is, of course not. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Of course not. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? Well, it's by hearing with faith, not the works of the law. Next, Paul reminds the Galatians that Abraham was justified by faith and faith alone. He says, so then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In other words, the same principle that applied to Abraham applies to us today. It's by faith. It was always by faith. It wasn't by Abraham's faith plus his circumcision. No, his circumcision came a long time later. After, by faith, it was credited to him as righteousness. In the following verses, chapter 3, 10 through 14, Paul argues that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Uh, this was deep into their Old Testament psyche and their understanding. Anyone who is cursed, the Old Testament said, would hang on a tree. Uh, but Paul is arguing that the law condemns us. The Apostle Paul's teaching reminds us that no one is saved by works, lest anyone should boast. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. There is no other way. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones and today's message, Galatians, Freedom from Religion, along with all of Ron's messages can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. It's a return to the fundamentals of the Christian faith, one that will help you make disciples of Jesus Christ who will go and make more disciples. To find Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, look for Something Good courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Something good exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you. And as our thank you for your gift to Something Good Radio, we'll give you access to a new resource written by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with this current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It's an ebook that covers all 13 of the Pauline epistles. This content is available for a limited time to our monthly partners or for anyone who sends a gift today. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. 
Mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456, or call our offices at 757-276-1099. The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. He goes on to say, by faith we are, and I love how he introduces this theology, we are adopted sons of God and heirs of his promise, no longer slaves to the law or prisoners of it. In other words, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're not slaves to some list of rules, man-made or otherwise. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, Galatians, Freedom from Religion. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.